Welcome to the So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Hey guys, today you are in for a treat. We are talking to my dear friend, Caroline, and Caroline is a sales expert that works at Microsoft. That's right, I said that, Microsoft. She also has experience working with NASA. She's also done other engineering internships and co-ops during her time at Georgia Tech. She was a sorority sister of mine um, over at Georgia Tech as well. And our conversation today really just debunks a lot of misconceptions around sales, but also talking about this world of technical sales, taking your expertise in whatever it is that you learned in school and being able to apply it and communicate it to your dream customer. So without any further ado, you must tune into this conversation. Let's hear from Caroline. Ellie, thanks so much for having me on. It's great to talk to you again. Always a pleasure. Um, And I'm excited to be here. But what do I do? So I am technically an Azure specialist at Microsoft. So that role means that I am a Azure seller. So I just sell the Azure cloud, which is Microsoft's cloud to the Department of Defense. Oh my gosh. So we've got a Microsoft gal in the house, women in tech, (laughs) women in sales. I love it so much. Um, I'm sure people already know that listening to this podcast because we're teasing it obviously in the topic, but I'm hoping that we're going to get to kind of understand what that really means. I'm sure people are going to be on the edge of their seat and I'm so excited to really dive in deep. Um, But before we get there, I want to hear a little bit about your background. Where did you go to school? What did you study? And is this your first job after graduation? Did you have internships, co-ops? Kind of give us your background a little bit. Got it. Okay. So my background is a wandering road of trying to get through college and trying to find what I want to do. So (laughs) I went to Georgia Tech, Go Jackets. I majored in aerospace engineering um, throughout my time there and got my degree in AE at Tech. So while I was at Georgia Tech, I had a couple of different internships, um, kind of a broad smattering. So I took the approach of you know, say yes to whatever comes your way and try to Mm -hmm. narrow it down based on that. So I had a um, beginning with a quality engineering internship at a carpet factory in Dalton, Georgia. Shout out. Um, out. Following (laughs) that, uh, totally. Following that, a aerospace engineering internship um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then I had another internship in federal sales at Quest Software. Um, So that is kind of the mixture of my internship experience. I also had um, research experience with NASA through Georgia Tech. Um, And so all of that kind of is what I did in college. And so now this is my first, it's, it's a, um, it is not as glamorous as it sounds. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) But uh, this is my first job out of college. I started this about, I guess, 15 months ago. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm at Microsoft. I'm in sales just first thing out of college. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we need to unpack a little bit of this because you say you're an aerospace engineer 
that is now working in tech sales, basically, to kind of keep it short and sweet. You went aerospace, tech sales, based on the fact that I know you, I know you love your job, which is awesome. Um, but I want to talk about really these kind of stops along the way, because I think this is so valuable for my listeners. So you mentioned you worked in Dalton, Georgia for carpet. Is that correct? <laughs> 100%. Okay. So, so what, what, why'd you go there? I'm just curious. Okay. So totally candidly, you know, I am trying to work my way through aerospace engineering at Georgia Tech and I really wanted and needed an internship. So I looked and looked and looked, applied, 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 and you know, lo and behold, who accepts me but a carpet factory out of Dalton, Georgia, which is the carpet capital carpet capital of the world. So um, just a, a fun fact for you. Yeah. But I did quality engineering there. I figured I could um, you know, put that on the resume to to bulk it up a little bit um mm. and, and learn some kind of engineering out of it too. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there. Yes, yes, yes. Louder for the people in the back. Experience over everything. Like this is what yes. I'm hearing from you is like, don't wait for the perfect opportunity or the per quote unquote perfect experience or what you thought you wanted because every opportunity there is value to be had, right? There's experience to be had. There is resumes to be built. Uh-huh. So totally. Yes. I love this example. Okay. So then you went to Tulsa. Talk to us a little bit about what the why was behind there or really how you ended up there, what you were doing. Okay. So after, you know, I had the, um, quality engineering internship experience, I really wanted to further narrow it down and get an aerospace engineering internship. So mm -hmm. again, you know, threw my resume out everywhere. It would of course have been my dream to go to the Boeing, the Lockheed, you know, SpaceX, all of that would have been great. However, where did I land? But at this great company in Tulsa mm -hmm. um, is, is where I ended up going and getting accepted. So I moved out to Tulsa again, said yes, said, let's bulk up the internship um, mm. list here and moved out there for a summer. And I will say no regrets. I absolutely loved it. And I loved, I loved living in Tulsa. Oh my gosh. See again, and I'm going to sound like a broken record. I can already tell, but I don't care. There, <laughs> it, it's so worth repeating. Like don't, I, I talk about this with my students so much. Like don't choose location at this stage in the game. Like when you're thinking about mm -hmm. experiences and internships and like where you're going to learn and who you're going to learn from, it may not always be San Francisco or New York or Chicago mm -hmm. or Atlanta. Like it may be in Tulsa. And so you did that as an internship. And then you mentioned you did some work with NASA. And I think that this is a really pivotal part of your story um, and how I, th I think how you ultimately got to where you are now. And so can you talk to us a little bit about like, obviously why NASA? I think we know why NASA. NASA is pretty incredible. But then how did, how did that go? What was that experience like for you? I think the better question at this point in my story is not as much why NASA, but how mm. did I just mm. get to that point? So one thing that I definitely have learned over the years and just really it's the only thing I've focused on for a really long time is just relationship building. So I ended up meeting someone um, and see meeting a um, someone who was looking for kind of helpers with his PhD research uh, project 
with NASA through Georgia Tech. And so I saw the flyer for it. I not only, you know, applied to the flyer because that's what, you know, I was obsessed with that, but I looked at anybody that I could who knew this guy or had connections to this specific project, including my professors, you know, I reached out to them. I said, Hey, I'm going for this. I really want this would appreciate, Mm -hmm. you know, any kind of advice you have for me. So through that kind of digging process, I mean, it wasn't easy. Um, I was able to get that research position. And what was so neat about the research position that I liked specifically was that it was in cognitive engineering. So it wasn't any kind of, you know, building rocket boosters or anything like Mm -hmm. that. It was literally in cognitive communication between ground station and the Mars Rover is basically what the, what the research was in. So it was that part interests me as well. And, um, it, I'm very thankful for that experience too. And again, it definitely helped me beef up the resume. Yes. And also what I would even argue is, you know, I love, I love this kind of concept of, you know, getting in front of whoever you needed to get in front of, or talk to whoever you needed to talk to, to be accepted into that program, right. And kind of doing whatever it took. But what I would also say is if you never had those other experiences, the, you know, the carpet experience in Dalton and then your experience in, in Tulsa, you, and you were just like, ah, no, like, I don't want to live in Dalton, Georgia, or I don't want to live in Tulsa, and you didn't have internships on your resume, who's to say you would have even gotten that opportunity with NASA? You know, I'm sure they were looking for people who did have some somewhat of an experience, you know, in their back pocket. 100%, you know, and one of those things actually is like, they're like, oh, we like your quality engineering experience. Mm. Now, did they say, we like that you for an entire summer went and lit samples of carpet on fire to see if they would burn up or not in the quality engineering lab? No, they didn't say that. But because I was able to, you know, have that on the resume, it definitely was a stepping stone. I love that. I love that. Okay. So, so now you've gotten this great hands-on experience at NASA and this is really all leading us to what you're doing now, which you have mentioned the role you're in right now was your first step out of college, your first big girl job, if you will, right. When you, when it's on internship or co-op, et cetera. So why sales talk us through what your thought process was, why Microsoft, like explain that to my listeners. Okay. So Ellie, I know we are on the same page in the sales conversation and truly sales gets such a bad rap. It gets a, you know, used car salesman. It gets a salespeople are annoying. You know, I am not the person that's calling your phone and saying, congrats, you want a free night stay at Marriott. Um, That's totally (laughs) not what it is, but what sales actually is, is honestly the key to success in a career, if you ask me. So I think Mm. everyone is in sales, no matter if you are a lawyer or if you are in marketing, if you are an engineer who's just trying to get the product out. I think everybody Mm. is in sales and the more sales skills you have, the better you can be successful anywhere else. So that's just the quick soapbox there on sales. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I think that sales is also like a really good jumping off point. So like for all those people that are looking for internships, especially in this like kind of harder climate that we're in right now, or looking for jobs too. If you have a sales role, 
on your resume, I really think that speaks volumes for any future employer. Because Mm -hmm. one, typically you get a lot of good sales training experience, but two, you just know how to build and manage relationships. And you also know how to communicate the value of a product. So I really could not encourage people more to, to look into sales. Uh, okay. That's super, that is so helpful. And I, comp- we've had off offline conversations about how much <laughs> we're both sales advocates um, and sales propaganda be- because it's not slimy car salesmen, right? It is influence. And it's how are you able to influence and impact the people that are going to be purchasing your product or could potentially purchase your product or your service. And so I completely echo everything um, that you've mentioned. And what I would love to do is take this a step further. Let's, let's paint a picture for my listeners about what do you actually do? And this is where I kind of want to throw, throw the mic back at you and let you take this wherever you want to take it. But, but what my listeners really love is understanding what does your everyday look like? And if your everyday is different, then talk us through what, what some of the activities could be. Who are you talking with? How many times a week are you talking to them? Are you setting up meetings? Are you writing emails? So talk us through what do you actually do as a sales professional working at Microsoft? Okay, perfect. So because of the cliche of not every day is different, which is 100%. I mean, every day is different. Sorry. Right. Which is 100% what we've, what we've got going on in in the sales world, but I'm kind of going to, I'll talk you through an average week. What if we do that? So that's perfect. That's perfect. Perfect. Okay. So an average week basically looks like a combination of things. First of all, I truly believe that to be successful in sales, you one, of course, need to be upset, like know a lot about your product and be obsessed with the product. But Mm. two, you need to further than that, be obsessed with your customer and know a ton about your customer. So Mm. what that looks like in breaking down a week is that, you know, anywhere from, I'll say 50 to even 90% of my week or, you know, average day will look like customer centered calls. So whether that's on the phone with the customer, explaining them something, answering questions, answering their emails, um, you know, talking with other partner companies about their solutions to further help the customer, we'll just say 50 to 90% is all about emails and conversations around the customer. And I think that that's Mm. really, really important because then you can take a step back and have that the rest of that time be focused on building your brand and your company's product based on the conversations you have with the customer. Ooh, I love that. I'm going to pause you for a second because that is so clear to me what, what that looks like. What I want to get from you, because I'm honestly curious is when you say customer, who is a customer of Microsoft? Like talk us through maybe not specific names, but what type are we talking about individuals buying Microsoft computers? Are we talking about businesses? (laughs) Like who's a customer in your mind? Yes. So the answer is yes to that question. (laughs) A customer that we're talking to, and also just to kind of further clarify what I do specifically. So 
cloud computing, right? The Microsoft cloud, the name of that is Azure. And that is the one thing that I sell. So that's what I become focused on is just Mm -hmm. that one product. You know, we have other people at Microsoft who sell um, Office 365, you know, your Outlook email that you think of, or all of that um, modern workplace productivity, people sell different solutions. But back to the customer, what does a customer look like? We have people who, we have a whole team who sell to Walmart, for example, or we have a whole team that sell to, um, you know, a school system is another example. So there's really a customer's can range in any space, but I, um, particularly me, I'm in the federal space and I sell to the department of defense. So that's what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about being obsessed with my customer and looking up all kinds of things I can find out about my customer. We're talking about, you know, upwards of 1.3 million users is what my customer size is. (laughs) I love this. And, and this is exactly why I asked, because I had a feeling that your customer, when you say become obsessed with your customer, obsessed with your product and really knowing them intimately, if you will, um, and that's going to be different, right? Regardless, like depending on what you're selling, who you're selling to. So if you think about this for a second, you are selling cloud software, as you've mentioned, to federal like organizations, right? And yep. that looks very different than uh, Joe Smith selling uh, <laughs> a mobile phone subscription pack to a family of five, both super valuable, both serving customers, both being obsessed with what the customer needs, but looks so different. And so like you were saying, part of your job, when you say like understanding your customer, it's doing hard research. It's not just calling up customers and asking them questions, but it's figuring out what does my customer want and need and how can we provide it to them, right? I don't want to be off 100%. Correct. Okay. That's okay. totally it. And you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're selling, but I think as soon as you shift your mindset to that customer obsession, really, mm. you can, you'll be, you'll be much more successful. So whether that looks like, you know, um, for example, I get like a newsletter blast every morning at 6am with just all of the big headlines that are basically have my customer mm. name in it. Um, you know, or things like that, or just do it, doing the research around that. And it's kind of fun if you think about it. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about your team structure. So obviously you have great roles and responsibilities to your customer, but what does your team look like? How many people are you working alongside? Do you get along with those folks? I'm assuming you're going to say yes, but like, what does that team dynamic look like? So we have got, you know, when I say focus on your customer around that one customer, we have, I would say upwards of 60 to 80 people who have their direct communication with that customer as well. Mm -hmm. So big team, you know, big, um, big teamwork mentality, every single thing that I do as a salesperson is 100% communicated to several other people. So I've got, you know, a direct team that I work closer with of just two others. And then I've got a broader team of, you know, about 15 others and then out to that 60 person team. Um, So it really is, you know, not only about the external communication and, and being, having a good relationship with your customer, but it's equally as important to have a good relationship with your internal team as well. Oh, that's awesome. And so do you, like you mentioned, you're pretty new in the role. So like 
are you are you directly emailing with these you know federal clients or or just clients one on one or are you working under someone who's kind of coaching you and teaching you you said you've been there about 15 months so what has that progression looked like up to this point so that's a great question at first you know initially being onboarded and just brand new to the role but also fresh out of college mm. um i was you know kind of shadowing a couple of others and seeing how they have customer communication and then how they're you know going to meetings and having these you know, on-site meetings and all of that, how they're leading those. But that's actually transitioned into me being the one who's emailing, calling, you know, going on site, all of that. I, you know, have shifted to the, one of the main POCs for that customer. So there's obviously, okay. you know, in any organization, different levels of that. So we have, I work with a lot of, um, engineers. So like kind of sales engineers that I'm able to bring into conversations and they get that customer interaction, but they also don't have to be the ones asking for the deal, if you know what I mean. Mm, yes, absolutely. And so it's kind of both and, right? Like you're learning under people, but you're also kind of running in your own lane too. It sounds like, like you have your own roles and responsibilities, expectations, but you are still a part of this team. Totally. 100%. Yeah. And that yeah. also like, you know, shifts throughout, shifts throughout the team too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Perfect. And I feel, I feel like this is probably an appropriate time to ask this question. What is your favorite thing about your job? Okay. My favorite thing about my job is that it is the perfect mix of human interaction and customer communication with technical. So I love that I get to, you know, be the technical expertise, but also communicate that with customers daily. So I love, mm. it is the perfect little mixture of knowing things at a high level technically, and then also being able to communicate those. So I think what I mean through that is that my favorite thing about my job is literally empowering my customers cloud space. I love mm. when a customer loves the solution that I've given to them. And I absolutely just get fueled off of my customer being happy. <laughs> I love that. And also I, I want to call this out because I think you said it perfectly being a technical expert in what you do. I think a lot of times, especially engineers, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I, I am friends with many, many engineers, also having graduated from Georgia Tech. And so I think sometimes there's this preconceived notion that if you don't go do that engineering job, if you're not a quality engineer, if you're not out in the plant somewhere, you know, burning carpet, as you say, right? Um, <laughs> you're not using your degree or you're not using these technical skills. And I just so disagree because when you're in sales, if you have the chops to communicate to um, clients and customers and work within teams and really be seen as that type of value from a, from a communication standpoint and an influence standpoint, you almost have to have some technical expertise. And so it's almost this merriment of both of those, right? Like you get to be technical and use your engineering degree and you get to communicate, which is just as important as knowing the, the ins and outs of your product. 100%. I literally want to yell that from the rooftops that if you have technical skill 
or, you know, even if you think I'm pretty good at math and science, you know, I may check out engineering or if you, you know, just like math and science in general or mm-hmm. have any kind of technical expertise and like to communicate with humans, you should check out a technical sales position. Um, yes. And you should really just explore that because, you know, as, as daunting as it may sound, it really is a sweet spot to be in. I love that. And so in contrast, and no one ever really likes answering this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, what is the hardest or your least favorite thing about your job? Okay. So I will say the hardest and my least favorite thing about the job turns out being the most rewarding thing about my job. So the hardest thing for me, and I'm, you know, again, recovering engineer here, recovering like extreme introvert that doesn't like asking for help. Hardest thing about my job is that I've got to ask the tough questions. I have to, you know, have basically the chops to ask hard questions and advocate for more and, you know, literally say difficult things on a weekly, daily basis. So that ends up being the most fruitful thing about my job too, because one, it helps me get deals, obviously. Two, it helps build relationships. And also three, it just helps with my personal development. Like I've probably grown more as a person over the past 15 months or however long I've done this, um, you know, than I did all of college potentially. I couldn't agree more. And I, and I have to echo this, like it's, it stinks to say it. And you know, we all kind of cringe when we think about it for ourselves. It's like success and change doesn't come in our comfort zone. And Uh, I feel that on such a deep level in what I do for work. And I hear it over and over again with these interviews and it's the same thing. It's like the thing that's the most challenging is actually the most rewarding or it pushes me and grows me or it gets me that promotion or, you know, whatever it, it may be. And I, or gets me the most deals right in the sales situation. So I, I love that. And, and I hope that, I hope that anyone listening who's thinking, yeah, that, that makes sense for her. But for me, this hard thing that I'm doing, is not growing me or it's not progressing me? I would really challenge you to like rethink that because nine times out of 10, we don't even know. We can't even have the clarity to see what that hard thing is doing in our life. And so whether it's professionally or personally, like reflect on what is kind of hard in your, in your season of life, whether it be internship, job, personal life, et cetera, and see what the fruit could be. Like take a stab at what that could ultimately be doing in your life. And so, um, I, I, really appreciate you sharing that, Caroline. That's, that's great insight. 100%. And on that note too, just about, you know, that season of life that you're in the hardest thing, it's going to shift. So for example, when Mm -hmm. I was in college, my hardest and least favorite thing about that was that aerospace engineering was so hard for me to understand. And that was, I hated, you know, I hated having to do that super technical level of just extremely challenging technical work basically. But I was, you know, I wanted to look past that and I would kind of see how it would become rewarding. And that would look like, you know, once I understand this and get this correct, then I can better present it at the end of the year or at the end of the internship, or I can better communicate this, you know, across leadership or to my professor or anything like that. So, you know, it really is about the season of what's the hardest at the time and push through that to see what fruit you'll get from it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Every season, no matter what season you're in, you're always thinking like, gosh, I can't wait to get to this next thing because then it'll be easy, but there's a new hard thing. Mm. And so, yeah. it's, you know, and that's, that's normal. That's life, right? That's the beauty. It would be boring if it wasn't hard sometimes. So um, Absolutely. that's awesome. Okay. Now, if you were a young person listening to this interview thinking, gosh, what I would do to have her job in five, 10, even 15 years, depending on who's listening, right? What would be the best next step for them today or upon graduation? Okay. I love that question. So for, for my specific job, I think the best things you can start doing are one, actually for any job, one, build your network. It's really important. I think literally every job I've gotten thus far has been me, you know, meeting with the hiring manager or meeting with the recruiter or just getting to meet somebody at a career fair, something like that network and build, build your network. But two, if you have any sort of clue what kind of industry or role you want to get in, look for experience in that area. So, you know, as you kind of heard about my internship experience, no, I did not have a Deloitte or Bain or, you know, mm-hmm. any kind of Goldman internship, right? I had mm-hmm. the internships that I thought would get me to where I wanted. Um, and that's also because I definitely would not have been accepted to those programs, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I narrowed it down to a sales internship because I thought that that's where I would want to go. So I would just mm-hmm. encourage anybody to, if you have the slightest, you know, thought that you would want to go into sales, then look for internships around that. So when I mm-hmm. originally internshiped, I mean, internship, wow. When I originally interned at Quest Software in federal sales, you know, at that point in time, I was like, this is just a stepping stone because I would really love to get into aerospace sales. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out I fell in love with software sales and hence I'm at Microsoft now. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of like using you know, do what you can at that time to get into what industry or role you might think you might want and just try it out. There's no Mm. time like the present. I love that. I love that you say that's like, that should go on a poster, post-it note or a sticky tattoo or something. Do what you can, (laughs) do what you can at that moment, right? Like, don't wait. I hear this all the time. It's like, I, I will do that once I graduate, or I will do that next summer. It's like, why not now? Why not try to do it now? And if the doors shut, then the doors shut. And at least, you know, okay, I can try again next year. But if you never try doing something right now, you may not be ready for that next thing. And so I love, I love that piece of advice for any job, any career, but I think specifically there are a lot of people that sit in sales roles. So there's really no excuse to not reach out to your friends, your parents' friends, your friends' parents, whoever it is, Mm -hmm. get on the phone with someone who does sales, ask them questions, ask to shadow them, see if they need an an intern, even if it's unpaid, just to learn. Like you learning is, is so valuable, even especially on site learning. So I would echo everything that, that you say, Caroline. Um, And another beautiful thing about sales is that every industry need sales. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really, I mean, you're not closing a door by going into sales. I'll tell you that right now. Yes. You're not closing any door. Amen. Preach and amen. Um, okay. (laughs) This is our final section of the podcast. This is our rapid 
fire. It's a little surprise round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Try to answer them in five seconds or less. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. So number one, what did you want to be when you grew up? A dentist. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite book of all time? Any genre? Oh, um, oh, that's hard. Daring Greatly, Brene Brown. It's what I'm reading right now. It's a good one. Oh, <laughs> fabulous. I'm reading her very first book right now, Gifts of Imperfection, and it's five stars. Oh, I haven't so read good. that one. It's so good. <laughs> office accessory, office accessory that you cannot live without. Um, blue light glasses. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, mor <laughs> a morning beverage of choice. Coffee. With okay, how? I was just about to say, how do you make your coffee? <laughs> okay, favorite coffee is just coffee with half and half and some collagen. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what I drink. It's great. No wonder. That's you're exactly. Oh, that's very kind. That's exactly <laughs> what I drink. Coffee with. A one scoop of collagen and just half and half, no sugar. I love it. I've never 100%. met anyone that, that drinks it the same. That's awesome. Oh, that's so <laughs> okay. Now this is kind of a more nuanced question, but still trying to answer in five seconds. What is your number one piece of career advice for someone just leaving school? Don't be afraid to speak up. Mm. definitely and and try everything you can so you know yes. meet people and don't be afraid to crack a joke or to <laughs> put your ideas out there or to talk to the leadership there you know do not be afraid and be yourself that was like three oh, pieces I love of advice, that, that no it. that's perfect <laughs> that's perfect and I, you know what I really wish someone would have said that to me when I was graduating that is one thing I didn't do very well I think when I was in college I was like oh, I've got all these ideas and I can, you know, speak to people. And then I think I just, when I got in the workplace and Caroline, I don't know if you had the same experience where you just realize like, oh my gosh, all these people are so much older and wiser and they've been here and I'm new mm -hmm. and who am I? And what you start to realize is they're hiring you because they want your ideas. They want you to speak up, but it can be intimidating. So don't be intimidated. I'm going to echo what she said and speak up. That is a fabulous piece of advice. And they want to talk to you. They literally yes. want to talk to, you know, the young new kid. So yes. you know, take advantage of that. <laughs> I love that. In, in a uh, YouTube episode I just released, I talk about that. I say one way to move up in your career is to take your coworkers and your managers to lunch because they actually want to meet you. And so oh, <laughs> this is, this I is love like, that. Yes. This is perfect timing with, with that um, episode. This will come out later, but still go check out my YouTube channel. Um, but Caroline, this was so fabulous. You are such um, an inspiration, not only to me being a fellow Georgia tech student and friend and classmate and all those good things and sorority sister, but just being in the tech space and really just paving waves for women and, and, and anyone who really, who's looking to get into the technology space specifically, specifically in sales. So thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm going to link Caroline's LinkedIn in the show notes. So if you loved this episode, if you want to continue the conversation and just thank her for being a part of the fourth fam. I would highly recommend you do that. And Caroline, thank you again for being here. Ellie, thank you so much. It is always a pleasure to catch up with one of my, you know, longtime role models now. Thanks well, for you're very on. kind. You're very kind. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to So What Do You Do? 
Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at sowhatdoyoudo.podcast. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com, and browse our career downloads and courses, get our weekly emails, find us on YouTube, and get inspired to go forth.